Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode contains distressing themes and is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. This is part one of a two-part case. On this episode of They Walk Among America, a torso found in the basement of a Grand Rapids apartment prompts a murder investigation. A suspect is quickly apprehended, but the details of what happened to the victim remain scattered. Welcome to episode seven of They Walk Among America a joint production between the Law and Crime Podcast Network and They Walk Among Us, the award-winning true crime podcast. I don't know what it is, but it looks like blood is we can find it. Sergeant, can you describe what you smelled when you went into that basement? The only way to describe it is um, it, it was um, the smell of death. Um, the smell of death and decay um, has a very distinct odor. Grand Rapids is the second largest city in Michigan. It's poised along the Grand River in Kent County. The city has a relatively low crime rate compared to other cities in Michigan. Still, the rate of violent crime in Grand Rapids is among the highest in America. On December 2nd, 2018, at around 4.15pm, a resident of an apartment block on Franklin Street called 911. Mario Nelson lived in the downstairs apartment. Along with his girlfriend, they had noticed a foul smell coming from the basement. Mario explained to the operator that someone had come to the apartment block earlier because their friend was missing and had last been seen with Mario's upstairs neighbour Jared Chance. Mario said he went to the basement, which was usually locked, and saw a piece of plastic tarp and what looked like blood. He requested that the police come immediately. The operator was told that it appeared Jared Chance was moving out because there were boxes in the hall. Mario also knew Chance had a gun. On the call, Mario said, We live in an apartment and the basement is normally locked and the house has been having a really bad smell lately. So I just went in the basement, opened the basement door and there's a tarp with what looks like it could be blood leaking from it. 
Sergeant Greg Alcala from the Grand Rapids Police Department arrived at the scene at around 4.30pm and made his way to the basement. Immediately he was met with the distinct smell of decay. As he walked towards the tarp, he illuminated the area with his flashlight and could see flesh. The scene was cleared while officers awaited crime scene technicians. As they inspected the grim discovery more closely, they saw that it was in fact a bag that covered a torso. The head, arms and legs had been removed. A number of other items were discovered during a search of the basement. A saw blade, over 400 unfired 22 caliber cartridges, and two fired casings were found in a furnace duct. This furnace duct led to Jared Chance's apartment. Police obtained a search warrant and continued looking around the property. Sergeant Grant Abraham was one of the special response team officers dispatched to the apartment following the discovery of human remains in the basement. The footage was released by the Grand Rapids Police. It shows a team of officers, heavily armed as they had been warned by the 911 caller that Jared Chance had a gun. They were told that Chance was in his second floor apartment on 922 Franklin Street. An armoured vehicle had been driven to the address. They walk up to the door of the basement and an officer speaks about the tarp that was seen on the basement steps. He says, there's clearly blood running from the tarp. Officers shout out a warning that they are law enforcement with a warrant. Jared Chance is sleeping when the police sound an air horn on the landing outside of his apartment. A few moments later, Chance walks out of the property. He was arrested and brought to the police station. Chance was taken into an interview room, and a detective says... We appreciate the fact that you came in earlier. I'm sorry that you got turned away. Chance responded that he came in because he read on Facebook that he was the last person seen with a missing woman named Ashley, so he was concerned. Chance was just trying to get some information. Chance also said that his father had told him to ask for an attorney because he did not want to say anything to incriminate himself. He apparently had no idea what was going on. Because I ran on Facebook that the last person uh, this person was with is uh, was me, so I was just concerned and trying to get some information about it, but because I don't really know what the hell's going on, so mm-hmm. I don't want to like sit here and talk about shit that may incriminate me or what, what, whatever in any kind of way, because I don't know what's going on. It turned out that just the day before, Chance had come to the police station with his father. They were only there for a couple of minutes and then left. Jared Chance was known to the police. He had a lengthy criminal record which may be surprising if you knew his father, a retired Illinois police sergeant. 
Chance was born on January 28, 1989 in Davenport, Iowa. He moved to Michigan when he was young and grew up in the town of Holland. His brushes with the law began as a teenager, starting with a string of thefts. He was also caught numerous times under the influence of alcohol or marijuana. Chance had three convictions by the time of his arrest in 2018. One for assaulting a police officer in 2011, and two convictions for possession of a controlled substance. Drugs were an issue for Jared Chance. He overdosed twice in 2016, and had to be resuscitated and given Narcan multiple times within a single week. Narcan is a drug used to treat an opioid overdose. Law enforcement also became involved when Chance was fighting with his 23-year-old brother, Conrad. In January 2016, Conrad contacted the police and told them that Chance had held a blowtorch close to his face and acted like he was going to burn him with it. Chance also told Conrad he was going to kill him. He even once struck his brother so hard that Conrad believed he had a concussion. The fights were often over marijuana. Jared Chance was also the victim of an assault himself in 2016, when three men beat him with an aluminum bat. He seemed paranoid, according to a police report. Chance had called the authorities and told them that there were men in his yard, dressed in camouflage, and they had a gun. But when the police arrived, there was no one there. Chance told them he had proof, photographs he had taken on his phone. However, these photos were just a blank screen, or, quote, random photos of his feet. After the discovery of human remains in his basement in December 2018... Jared Chance was arrested and charged. Back at the apartment building, police made sure the scene was secure and investigators began looking around. After clearing the first floor, they made their way to the stairwell that led to the next level. There were bloodstains on the landing wall. On the steps that led to Chance's apartment, more items were found. A purple tote bag, a pair of women's boots, a box from a fan, and a cardboard box. Inside the tote bag, officers discovered a pair of shoes, a bottle of prescription medication and some shower curtain rings. In the fan box, officers found duct tape and a trash bag that contained women's clothing and stained bedsheets. Jared Chance's name and address were printed on a label on the cardboard box. When the investigators looked inside, they found a plastic bag. When they opened the bag, they discovered two arms without hands and two legs without feet. Police executed a search warrant of Jared Chance's second-floor apartment on December 3rd and 4th, 
Inside, the police found evidence in the kitchen and bathroom. A tile on the kitchen floor was stained dark red. The kitchen sink was full of unwashed dishes. It was clear to investigators that some sort of cleaning fluid had been poured on them. They tested the sink for the presence of human blood. There was a piece of what looked to be human tissue found inside the drain of the kitchen sink. In the bathroom, the police discovered a white hand towel that had a reddish-brown stain. There were other items that tested positive for blood. A pair of jeans that had a dark stain on the upper left leg, a black hoodie, a bath mat, and the washing machine. A recon scout, a telescopic photographic device, was inserted into smaller spaces in the property to search for weapons and evidence. On the back porch of Jared Chance's apartment, investigators noticed a trash can. Inside the trash can were two saw blades, a bottle of ammonia, latex gloves, a roll of plastic wrap, a boot, a drain cover, trash bags, and a pair of blue pants that had Chance's name on them. The human remains were sent to Dr. David Start for a partial post-mortem. The remains were that of a white female, a torso that had been separated from the limbs and head at the shoulders, lower neck and lower legs. The arms from the upper arm to the wrist joint were also examined. The legs from the knees to the ankle joint were present too. Dr. Start was able to determine that the dismemberment occurred some time after death because there was no hemorrhaging seen in the tissue. When a person dies, their heart ceases to pump blood around the body, so any bleeding after death is a passive flow of blood that remains in the tissue. If the body was dismembered soon after death, less blood would have remained in the tissue. There was lividity noted on the back of the torso. Lividity is the pooling of blood in an area after death. It indicates the position the person was in after they died. The blood pools due to gravity and can discolour the skin in that area. It takes around 12 hours for this to happen, so the victim would have been lying on their back for that length of time before dismemberment. The toxicology screen was carried out using bile from the victim's gallbladder. The results showed that the only drugs present were nicotine and a 0.07 ethanol level reading. This can indicate that the victim had ingested alcohol. A level in this range can also be explained by the level of decomposition present. After a person dies, the bacteria in their body as it decomposes will produce ethanol, which can be picked up by a toxicology screen. Nothing found during the examination indicated a cause of death. There were no signs of injury and no notable damage to any of the organs in the abdomen or chest that would suggest a natural death by heart attack or respiratory failure. Determining the time of death for the victim was difficult, 
because remains decompose at differing rates depending on several factors, like the external environment, temperature and if they were transported. Based on the decomposition that was seen, Dr. Start estimated that the victim had died on November 29th. The incisions that were made to remove the legs and arms from the torso were clean cuts. They would have to have been carried out with a tool capable of cutting through bone with precision, like a power saw. The arms had been cut at the humerus bone on the upper arms. The hands had been removed at the wrist joint. This area has no bone to cut through, and the amputation would have been possible with a knife. The right leg had been amputated at the knee joint, and the left leg had been amputated through the femur. Again, these cuts would need to have been made by a tool with a sharp enough blade to cut through bone, especially the strongest bone in the human body. A blade would be dulled by cutting through bone for that long. Even specialist tools that surgeons and pathologists use have to be replaced as bone wears down blades. The feet were removed at the ankle joint. A knife would be able to cut through the skin, fat and tissue in this area, although it would be difficult. 29-year-old Jared Chance was remanded into custody and charged with concealing a death and mutilating a corpse. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. A mother began to worry about her 31-year-old daughter a few days earlier on November 29, 2018. Christine Young was regularly in contact with her daughter Ashley. So when Ashley seemingly began to ignore her mother's calls and texts, Christine knew something was wrong. Ashley worked in a call centre for a bank and lived in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Ashley and her mother were supposed to meet up to sign a lease for a new apartment for Ashley. Christine was going to co-sign it, but Ashley did not respond and never showed up. Christine knew that Ashley had been out with a friend, Jared Chance, so she got his number and left a voicemail on November 30th. Chance returned the call a few hours later. 
He told Ashley's mother that they had been out at Mulligan's Pub and the Hooker Lounge the previous night. John said that Ashley had left her phone at the Hooker Lounge and went to pick it up before she headed back to Kalamazoo. Chance and Christine exchanged text messages later that evening. He said that he had just spoken with Ashley, and she was acting strangely, as if she could not talk for long. Chance said he thought she may have been with an ex-partner. He apparently told her to contact Christine, explaining to her how angry her mother would be for not getting in contact. Chance also said that he asked Ashley why she had not told him that she was supposed to meet her mother about the apartment. Ashley allegedly said she had forgotten. In a text message to Christine Young, Chance wrote, I don't know. She was acting kind of weird like she couldn't talk for long. I think she may have been with her ex, but who knows? I don't know. I just told her, look, call your mum ASAP and then call Eva too. The only reason I think she may be with the ex-boyfriend is because she told me she didn't have to be at work till like 10. But again, these are just my assumptions. But she should be calling you. I told her how pissed you were for not calling her. Chance said she had promised she would call her mother, and he had responded, You fucking better, dude, because I got everyone texting me looking for you, dude and you told me you didn't have to work till Friday. Chance told Christine that her daughter had left with a friend of his the night they were out. His name was Demetrius Taylor. After getting Demetrius's number and calling him, Demetrius assured Christine that he did not know Ashley at all. Christine became more suspicious of Jared Chance and demanded to know where her daughter was and what he had done to her. Chance replied, This was the first time I got to see Ashley since 2011. That girl is my ride or die. She drove 27 miles just to pick me up the other day when I got my car stuck in a ditch. That was just last week. That's how we reconnected. She was supposed to call me at midnight too, but I fell asleep and I had like three missed calls but I didn't know which one was hers. Ashley's my girl, Mrs. Young. I feel like you think I'm lying to you, but I'm not. This stresses me out so much. The next time she calls me, I'm going to go off on her. I grow pot on the side for income, legally, of course. I don't need any police over here, but I'd be happy to go with you to the police station and tell them everything I know. But I can't see her not calling you or at least talking to you through Facebook unless she's with that Indian dude. I don't know, Mrs. Young. I don't. Like I said, this is the first time I've seen her in over almost ten years. All I know is she was going to work in Kalamazoo third shift, and she said she goes to school. Are you fucking serious right now, dude? Ask anyone. I don't hurt people, period. I'm a good person, that's why me and Ashley were such good friends, because we're both good people. If you knew me, you would know I would never hurt anyone, let alone one of my closest friends. She gave me a place to stay for three months when I was homeless, and helped me get on my feet. I hate this. 
On December 1st, Christine Young tried to report her daughter missing at the Grand Rapids police station. Officers did not appear concerned as Ashley was a grown woman, and it had only been a few days. Christine knew something was wrong and decided to find out herself. She went to Mulligan's Pub in Grand Rapids and asked the manager to pull the CCTV footage from November 29th. In the footage from the early hours of the morning, Ashley Young can be seen walking with Jared Chance. Ashley is wearing a black hoodie. Suddenly, Jared Chance stopped replying to Christine. The following day, Christine Young went to Jared Chance's apartment, and the police were already there. Ashley's family had travelled to the property to try and find her gold Ford Focus or any sign of her around the time the police discovered the remains. They saw that the apartment had been cordoned off with police tape, and when they asked what happened, they were told that a torso had been found in the basement. At the time, the victim was listed as Jane Doe, because her hands, feet, neck and head had not been recovered. The medical examiner determined by the condition of the remains that the death was homicide by unspecified means. To identify the remains, Christine Young, the mother of the woman who had last been seen with Jared Chance, provided a DNA swap. Five days later, they got confirmation of their worst fears, that it was Ashley. On December 5th, the police obtained a search warrant for Jared Chance's parents' home in Holland, Michigan. Officers knew that they had been with Chance on December 1st. Jared Chance had been collected by his parents James and Barbara Chance and brought to their home in Holland. Neighbours had seen him that day with boxes, looking as if he was moving. The boxes that were found contained severed limbs. A search of the Holland home turned up a reciprocating saw underneath the couch. It was covered with the remnants of what investigators suspected was blood and human tissue. They also searched James and Barbara Chance's Honda CRV. They found a bottle of ammonia with a label showing it had been purchased at Miss Trace's party store in Grand Rapids. Traces of blood and human tissue were discovered inside the vehicle. Investigators went to Miss Trace's party store and obtained the CCTV footage of the days leading up to the discovery on December 2nd. Between November 29th and December 1st, Chance was seen entering the store and buying ammonia trash bags and beer. He was also seen placing an orange-coloured plastic bag in the bin outside the store. Seeing this, investigators checked the trash and dumpsters at the back of the building. They were able to recover the orange plastic bag. Inside, officers found clothes, including a pair of blood-stained jeans, 
prescription medication bottles with Ashley Young's name on them, and a purse that contained Ashley's identification. On December 12th, James and Barbara Chance were charged with perjury and being accessories after the fact. The couple denied any wrongdoing when they were accused of knowing and failing to alert the police that their son, Jared Chance, cut Ashley's body into multiple pieces. The affidavit for the charges states that they took Chance to the Grand Rapids Police Department on December 1st and then dropped him back at his Franklin apartment before returning to Holland without informing the police of Ashley Young's death and mutilation. A perjury conviction in a homicide investigation carries a sentence of up to life in prison. This charge related to statements they made under oath on December 6th. The couple were accused of being accessories after the fact when they assisted their son in avoiding detection, arrest, trial and punishment. This is a felony that carries a potential five-year sentence. Jared Chance was charged with open murder in early January 2019. According to the probable cause affidavit, Chance had told his neighbour Mario Nelson that he knew how to kill someone, get away with it, and dispose of the evidence. He mentioned using Pepsi and chemicals. In the days before Ashley Young's murder, Chance had a conversation with Mario in his kitchen. Chance had a 22 caliber revolver on the table and kept playing with it, making Mario feel uncomfortable. There were two fired rounds of 22 caliber bullets found in the basement. Police had obtained cell phone records for Ashley Young and Jared Chance. Going by CCTV footage obtained from the pubs the pair had gone to in the early hours of November 29th, investigators could see that Chance and Ashley were together and then went back to Chance's apartment. Ashley had been texting a friend, but stopped replying at 5.46am. Ashley's car was seen in the driveway of the apartment by neighbours. Mario Nelson said that Chance had asked him to help get into the car after Ashley had supposedly lost her keys. The car was later found a few streets away. Dr David Start, who conducted the autopsy on Ashley Young's partial remains, said that he could determine she did not die of natural causes or a drug overdose, based on the condition of her organs and toxicology results. Still, he could not determine the exact cause of death, because he did not have her head or neck. The black hoodie found in Chance's apartment belonged to Ashley, and was the hoodie she was last seen wearing. Blood staining on the item of clothing indicated that she had sustained a significant injury likely to her head, such as blunt force trauma or a gunshot. Jared Chance pleaded not guilty to the open murder charge, 
and the charges of mutilation and concealment. Chance's brother Conrad admitted that he had been with his parents when they picked up Chance on December 1st, and that Chance had brought boxes with him to Holland before he was dropped home the next day. At the probable cause hearing for Jared Chance's father on January 10th, 2019, Conrad testified that Jared Chance seemed very disturbed when they picked him up. The assistant county prosecutor Lawrence Boyvin said that 76-year-old James Chance had intended to cover up his son's crimes and help him destroy evidence. James Chance's defence attorney, Laura Joyce, said that her client had tried to turn Chance in, but was dismissed when he requested that his son have an attorney present. The hearing went through the evidence police had compiled to date. Bottles of ammonia, saw blades found outside of Jared Chance's apartment, a saw found in the Chance's Holland home, and a plethora of rubber gloves. On January 11th, 2019, there was a hearing for Jared Chance. Andrew Rodenhouse represented Chance and told the court that there was no evidence that Chance had murdered Ashley Young. Rodenhouse suggested that as Ashley's head was not recovered, she may well have killed herself or had a stroke. Crime scene technicians who had processed the apartment, basement and the Chance's home in Holland testified that they identified Ashley Young's blood and flesh in Chance's kitchen and bathroom. They found her severed limbs in boxes on the stairwell, her torso wrapped in a bag on the basement stairs, her clothing and boots on the landing, her purse in a bin at Trace's party store. There was blood evidence on the bath mat, and there were shower rings found in various locations, but no shower curtain. Technicians also discovered the saw at the house in Holland, and evidence of blood in the Chance's car. Ashley Young's head, hands and feet had still not been recovered, neither had her phone, which was switched off on November 29th before 8am. The defence asked for photographic evidence of Ashley's remains to be excluded from the trial in case this inflamed the jury. They also requested testimony relating to Chance's behaviour while playing with his gun not be admitted, because they believed it had no relevance. Jarrah Chance's trial was scheduled for September 2019. While the evidence against him was mounting, there was still more to come to light. This is the end of episode 7. To hear more on the trial, the verdict and what happened next, please listen next week. This episode was researched and written by Eileen McFarlane and edited by Brad Maybe. For more on our series and notes on this episode, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. And for more on the Law and Crime Podcast Network, please visit lawandcrime.com slash podcasts. 
This has been They Walk Among America. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.